Good evening, travelers of the night. My name is Wesley, but you can call me Wes, and we're RFI, where we mix audio dramas with actual play D&D, where fate teeters on the edge of a die. And today we're joined by Ari as Esperanza. Today's episode features players in zombified mode. Matt as Nihilus Von Stonen. The boy, the man, the priest, the inquisitor, and soon dead. Let's find out. Shane as Trevor. He's not here for a long time, just a slightly less bad time. And oh my, you guys are so depressing today. Uh, and Asteria as Dr. Glass. Let's cheer my heart. Is that better, Wes? Much better. So without further ado, let's begin. A weathered leather boot crunches down onto the salt of the hills and the salt wastes, followed by another and another as one person walks with purpose over the hills and jagged landscape. And there's a storm, as there often is. The wind whips around, the snow patters on the ground, as occasionally, every minute or so, a mask is brought up to his face as he takes a breath and lets it drop attached to a chain at his hip. You'd imagine this is a a normal sight, but there's something you can't see looking at him, an energy to him, and Dr. Glass, you lay in bed the door to this apartment that you're in completely broken off but in the evening time it was able to be barricaded somewhat with furniture the man who tried to kill you is in a room filled with bees his fate we'll have to check later and we're getting some well needed rest some of us much much more hurt than others But you, Dr. Glass, you wake up a little bit earlier once again. You can often feel the energies and thoughts around you, your psychic ability allowing you to reach into somebody's head and capture what's on the surface. But it's quieter right now. You sense others in the other room, but even that is faint and almost ephemeral 
you can barely grasp it with your mind. In fact, you feel your psychic energies strongly diminished. What does Dr. Glass do or or think in this moment? Dr. Glass has never had a dream properly, except that once uh, at the Whaler, if that indeed is what that was. She's experienced things in her sleep, but not dreams like others. So it doesn't occur to her to test if this is a dream, as I think it otherwise would occur to a woman with a mind like hers. Uh, But she does think that something strange and important is happening. And she looks for Esper first, her, her bedfellow. Esper's awake, as she most often is at night. Though, I think, generally, out of respect for other people's sleep, she'll go through the motions. Is that right, Esper? She, she you can often find her uh, spending her nights basically lying down and pantomiming sleep in a way. She's trying to get rest despite not being able to sleep. So she is very quiet, and she's usually quite still. But if there's ruffles around you would be able to notice quite quickly that Esper will open her eye and peek at it. Then she tries to speak into Esper's mind. She knows that Esper dreams and often sees the future. And she just says to Esper, Is everything all right? Can you hear me? Esper, you hear this so quietly, almost like a whisper. If you've ever gone to a doctor and had your ears examined, you have to listen for that beep that's like silently in the background, and it is just on the brink of being audible in your head. It's so quiet. The eyes immediately open and they dart towards glass. There's no response yet. Does Esper see anything weird? Dr. Glass, you can tell that you're not transmitting, translating as strongly as you might typically. This is absolutely weird, at least from what your experiences were communicating with Dr. Glass in this way. I immediately tune inwards. I think about that honey. I think about Dredgewell. I think about Luminoth. I try to tune in to how my body feels, you know, sort of as a doctor, like what feels wrong? You know, I, I feel my forehead, my own forehead, uh, and I, I try by habit, not even trying to test it, but out of habit, I telepathically uh, go for my cane. I try to get my cane to me so I can stand up. You go for your cane, and even that, when you would focus on it, it's like this deep pit that absorbs psychic energies. Yet. You can't feel that as much right now. It's slightly more inanimate. And as you kind of reach out to the world, you you can remember when Lord Felix Royce in a bunker, your old friend turned nemesis, would turn his head up, have his eyes closed, and say he's working on something. 
um, as if he's feeling the psychic energies around him. And you have trained yourself a little bit on that trick. And I guess, would it be fair to say that she is being observant in this way as well right now? Oh, yes. It's like you're standing on an island in a lake. Maybe the psychic waters you have to wade through, but it's more still. You're stationary, stable. You feel almost a little more human in this moment. But as you feel the distance, you sense something that you've never felt before. If psychic energies are a wave, this is a typhoon. A, in the distance, a psychic energy so thick and dense and treacherous that like in a tsunami, the way the ocean pulls out just before a storm arrives and 500-foot waves crush a city. The psychic waters are pulling out. Oh my. She says out loud. And she tries to calm herself, goes into doctor mode, diagnostics, Symptoms are information. Symptoms are not the illness. They are not necessarily the thing that is bad. Sometimes they are the thing that is fighting what is bad. They are the thing that points us towards what is bad. Uh, she has to remind herself out of that. She has to remind herself of that because as an alienist, uh, she often does only just get to treat the symptoms but she knows what it means when a tide goes out it's going to come back in does she feel that this is her tide or someone else's please roll proficiency with advantage for knowledge of your kind so just D20 plus proficiency? Yes. Okay, that is, uh, that is a total of 20. You think back to others you've known like you. Lord Felix Royce comes to mind first. When he sits and thinks in your time in the bunker together, you can feel his presence. You can feel his pull in the air. That pull was strong. Stronger than yours. You take it. This too is a pull. It's not yours. But whatever Lord Felix Royce was capable of, this that pales in comparison to what is on the horizon. Do I take this to mean do I take this as part of the interconnectedness of the night jars that because someone else is breathing in, I have to breathe out. That is what you were taught 
in your time in the night jars. Your mentor, Abelard Cook, might have mentioned as such. But this isn't somebody breathing alongside you. This is somebody sucking up all the air in the room and you're being asphyxiated. Okay, so this is bad. Using, uh, calming myself with being clinical about this is not going to wipe it away. Something bad is happening or going to happen. And it's coming closer. And I'm not going to get my powers back until something very big happens. Be tough to say. All you can tell right now is though you have your powers, they're difficult to exert. The whatever force it is that your powers travel through to to work is less present. You can almost see in the distance the tsunami, the wave that's a thousand feet high. They're just out of reach. Coming for me, towards me. It was noticeable lightly when you went to sleep, but minimally. And it's closer now, and every minute that goes by, you feel a stronger pull. I say out loud, Esperance, something's wrong, something's coming. Maybe for me, maybe just coming. And she tries to to get up out of bed. Esper will slide out of bed, no, no sleepy lethargy about it, and move to give Dr. Glass a hand in getting up. She'll manually go and get the cane. You, um, it, it was quiet when you spoke to me. Not normally. It's my powers. Something... Something's drawing on that. On what gives me power. Something... I don't have all of my... My powers. Did did you mean... Magically? Those things, you can't... You can't do them? Magically, psychically spiritually, whatever whatever it is, whatever I am something of it like Felix, like Luminoth something is maybe it's the price for my and she trails off because nobody knows that she uh, nobody knows that she she's pretty sure she died and came back as Dr. Glass was talking, are there any windows here? Yes, yes, they're, they'll overlook the salt wastes. You can see, without going to the ledge, the thick white clouds, the wisps of salt striking against the glass. Out in those wastes, there's nothing so clearly strange compared to what's already strange about the wastes. Hmm. Please roll insight. They're doing it on instinct, even though they're not sure what they're looking for. Uh, that's a natural five down to a four. 
It's yet another gray, stormy day. But that's all you can see. Whatever's coming, it, it must still be far away, I, I would suppose. Or maybe it's just small. Do I have any sense, Wes? Is this something we can run from? Dr. Glass is assuming that like her own powers, this wouldn't be something visible. It would be an insight roll. It would be a high DC. I am comfortable trying. Uh, wish I could give myself Bardic, but of course I cannot. I don't have anything that helps people like that. Okay, but I'm good at insight, so let's see what happens. Well, appropriate that this is when she gets a natural one. A natural one. Hmm. Hmm, indeed, Wesley. I think in this case, I would just say this is the first time you've ever encountered something that draws so much power. It affects you in such a profound way. You would not have anything to base this off of. And so, there's nothing to know here. Then, she's just, she stands there and watches Esper, uh, feeling quite helpless. A Samson Shorn. Esper is still kind of, you know, to one window, looking out, and then very quietly pushing the furniture away from the door so that they can go outside, possibly check another window, put their ear to the other rooms, check on uh, Mr. Dirge, only audibly, and then also the boys in the other room, until they come back. You step out into the hall, and the other windows would be located across. And so, as you open the door to the room of Nihilus and Trevor, see at this point, people are awake. Trevor, specifically, I imagine you'd see him wrapping new bandages, fresh ones, and those black spider veins from his injury covering almost every square foot of his body as he does so. There's the moment instantly where Esper's eyes fly to the actual, like, the epicenter of it. And it's clear that they know that there's something wrong with Trevor, and it stuns them momentarily. But then they shake it off. Glass, Glass thinks something is coming, and, and we, we can't see it. But it makes her, if she's quiet, in in the head. Hearing Esper's voice, Trevor uh, starts a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit of flinch uh, as. He just now notices you uh, come in and realizes what he looks like and how he looks like to other people, which really means a lot to him. He looks down and says, Oh, uh, yeah, uh, sorry. What, you say uh, the doctor needs something? She, um, she, she felt something? 
I, I think is the best way to put it. She feels something, and something is making her voice in my head very quiet. It's not normally quiet. She, she's a little, um, I suppose, shaken. And, uh, and how do you feel about that? I'm not sure. It's hard to tell. I didn't, I didn't see anything out the window. I, it puts a little edge on things. I, I don't like that whatever is coming, I, I can't see it yet. Oh. Okay. Well, uh, there's a few things I learned from my time here. I, I suppose it's, uh, when the people who have the the ability to connect to this place in, in a way that I ain't able to start getting bad feelings, I suppose that's that's cause for concern, I suppose, considering your your dreams and and, and her feelings. I don't, I don't know anything about the magic stuff, but I know that if somebody who has magic can't really feel it right, well, that doesn't seem good. No. Uh, there's a, a stiff nod. We'll reach up for the door. No. Uh, I'm sorry to, to have barged in. No, it's okay. Good morning. And then she'll shut the door and back to glass to see how she's doing. As you walk back into the hall and across towards your room, you notice out of the corner of your eye with your passive perception a metallic glint from the kitchen down the hall. It's just out of the corner. You may have missed it if not for how brightly the light reflected towards you for a moment. It's enough to make Esper stop and turn more fully towards the kitchen, squinting as if they're checking. And after that moment's pause, they're going to gradually move their way down the hall to get back into the kitchen and find this thing that I don't think Esper noticed before. Please roll from the investigation. A natural six down to a four. Please also roll for me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Oh, that's an eight. Natural seven. Take eight points of damage as you walk into the kitchen, taking a step around the corner, looking at the table, the stove, the oven, the pantry, and from behind you... Enough as your prisoner has seemed to have escaped during the night. All right, eight damage. It strikes you, and you feel the knife go run up your back and then be put around your throat as a surprise round is over and a held action. As he says, Say nothing, just unbarricade the door so that I may leave. Esther's hands slowly going to reach out and move in the direction of the door and you know trying to make their intentions clear as they're going um and Esper is ready or prepared Esper 
does not have intentions of letting him leave. Okay. But she doesn't, you know, a knife at her neck is not going to help that yet. So she's making like she is going to let him go. You push aside a cupboard that was placed in front of the door. Do you do so silently as he requested? Esper's going to be quiet about it, but also maybe act as if they can't so easily move the cupboard in hopes that it will get the, one of the legs to scrape along the floor for a moment. Please roll performance. 19. Quiet, I said. He says a little louder, but now Dr. Glass, Nihilus, and Trevor, you heard the scraping of a furniture piece from the kitchen. Not quite knowing the severity of the situation, but obviously caught off guard by the movement of the barricade. Uh, Not quite rushing out, but he is, upon hearing that, going to start to make moves. Like, he's not wearing his normal clothing. He's still just covered in bandages and his trousers. But he'll open the door and try and get a look at what's going on. You take a look outside and you see not Esper, but your prisoner's back just on the edge of the hallway, visible to you. Esper? I think in that moment, Esper's going to turn and try and throw the man backwards away from the door. Please roll athletics. That is a ten. On my end, that is an eight. So, shove him away as his back hits the wall. The knife flies across the room to the other side, and yet again, he is defenseless. Trevor, you see this altercation. Assuming, like, we're now going into the play-by-play, moment-by-moment bits, uh, as soon as uh, Dredge hits the ground, uh, Trevor is going to uh, run over there and is going to try and uh, dive on top of him to grapple him. You do so. You dive onto him, you grapple him. You don't need to contest an athletics check because he's already been defeated yet again. Disarmed and helpless on the floor. I suppose this would be an appropriate thing to ask. Um, Just as far as RP goes, how is Trevor feeling right now? As you grab onto him and the adrenaline that sets in for just a moment keeps you going you get a grapple hold you get his arms pinned behind his back he is not going anywhere but then when you start breathing you almost feel out of breath it maybe twice the 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 severity that it used to be not trying to like basically manhandling and trying to get him in a better position you can hear him kind of struggling on the ground just going you be in far more trouble than you're worth. Keep it alive. I hope you know that. I'm just trying to, to, to live, that's all. If you hunted, I have a natural instinct for survival. And Did you feel it too then? And Dr. Glass is standing in the doorway to the room, looking small and far away. Is that why you're leaving now? You felt it. What? Where did you get that? that monster that you had in the basement. He averts his eyes almost as if he wants to keep on with the lie that he's perhaps told others and himself. 
dredge well. What's coming is coming for all of us. If you have an instinct for survival, listen to it and tell me. And in this moment, would you roll either persuasion or intimidation? This is a DC 14. Yes, that is a 19 intimidation. I I truly don't know what you're talking about. I just want to be out of this place and to live the rest of my life in peace. You, though, in this moment, Trevor, feel a vibrating in his chest area being so close to him. What's that? What you got? He's gonna start to, like, basically using his hands, like, with the brain Trevor's got, he can only uh, make so many logical leaps. So he's going to try and feel around, see where that vibrating's coming from, if it's coming from him or for something on his person. You feel around and please roll perception in this case. Uh, perception is a 10. That's enough. You feel it in his chest area. He has a light garment over. It's not hard to look. And as you pull his shirt up, you see he's cut a hole into his chest, a small one, and inside a small bit of honeycomb was inserted. And some of those bees, which seem docile right now, are resting within him. I just wanted to bring them with me. Help. Uh, reflexively, just not even, like, there's no thoughts going in this one. Uh, he is just going to uh, back up, uh, assuming now, like, he's sort of getting back up onto his feet um, and is just going to back up from this whole situation. All right. In this moment, Dr. Glass, you begin to feel the psychic energies fill the room, even more so this time. You, your connection to other people and their thoughts starts to flood back into you, and almost without even asking for it, the surface-level thoughts start to rise to the top for everybody, like a chatter around you, and you feel the emotion within this man of panic and fear for his life, this instinct for survival. Wordless, it rises to the top, but it's so present in your clarity of thought. Dredgewell, I... I think we're likely all fine sending you out into the wastes with your... bees. But you have to tell us about the monster in the basement. Did you find it, or did you put it there? Roll Persuasion. 18. Fine. Okay. But you'll let me go. I'll even tell you how to get back home. But you have to promise to let me go. Will you? If you don't attack anyone else. He looks towards Esper and the wound, which is relatively shallow. Fine. It was there. But I knew it was there. I needed a new cadaver for my bees. And 
whenever somebody would stumble upon my home, I would send them down. And sometimes they would return. Sometimes the beast doesn't strike. And I do. I let them go. I I do. Sometimes it does. And if I'm fortunate enough, there's something left behind for me. And did it ever speak to you in your mind? No. I haven't met many creatures that can speak in my mind. I've sometimes felt different, but... I... No. But it seems to know me. It it doesn't attack me when I go down. One time I, I looked at it. It just looked back at me. It was like it was looking through my eyes and it turned away. And that was it. I feel like in that moment we had made a bargain. And she shakes her head and turns away like... He's no longer important to her. Just, She's now worrying about something else. This was a waste of time. All right. If someone find out what he says the directions are and then... Here, I'll give you the immediate answer to your directions. But please let me go. The moment I do. We never see each other again. And I get to live the rest of my few numbered days... Is that a deal? We make no promises about your days. But tell us what you know and leave. Yes. He takes from his pouch on his side a small beekeeping pouch that was left over in the room and pulls out a small purple crystal. And he holds it up. This is all you need. I know my way, but you don't, and... He points it towards the window and it sees through the clouds sufficiently to see the sun. South. Just follow directly south and you'll find your way. And this is how you see the sun. That's it. He pushes it across the floor towards you. It strikes your boot, Dr. Glass. And it rises up out of the air into her hand. She doesn't look at it. He looks towards the door. And now I go. You never see me again. She looks at him impassively and waits for him to go. He pushes against Trevor's arms. He takes a step towards the door and looks back for a moment to see if anybody's going to react. Then he takes another. I cannot. I will not allow anyone to be your victim again and as he says that he will cast lightning lure and electrify whip holy emblem holy cross that he has in his hand electrifying even hurting himself in the meantime as he does as he shouts out full men alicitat and we will make a marking as he grabs dredge by his shoulders and make a marking on his forehead a marking which inquisitors would do on a corpse to show that this is an evil person being sent to the afterlife but now he's doing it on a living person to show any other Kieranstonian to recognize that this is a foul man a foul deed only only this is how I will let you free and with that 
not looking towards you, not looking at anyone else in the party, like an injured dog that's been kicked. He just scampers out, hunched over, bending under the bars, and he disappears around the corner. And a second goes by where there's silence in the room, and you see a spatter meat, flesh, and blood explode in the other direction, coating the floor and whatever is on the other side of that doorway, as if he just walked into an explosion and his entire body was disintegrated. And from there you hear footsteps. Wait, I didn't I didn't mean to do that. What, what was that? As Nidus takes a step back. Get back. Something's here. Someone's here. He goes back to his room and grabs his shield. Esper is uh, moving to put the, the door back in place. <laughs> the bars, the furniture. <laughs> and she hears in her head, it's too late for that. Hide, hide. And if she can, Dr. Glass casts invisibility on herself. I would say at this moment, let's let's instead say everybody has one reaction before these footsteps, which are loud enough, you can tell they are right on the precipice of that doorway. Dr. Glass, you cast invisibility. Trevor? Trevor is a big guy. Hiding in a little apartment like this might be difficult. So, he's racking his brain. Maybe he can try and look intimidating, but no, this thing, whatever did this to Dredgewell, it might not even be human by the results. He's just going to run back to his room and start scrambling up. He travels light, so if he wants to look intimidating, uh, he reaches for the revolver that he got. The, the gilded one. The uh, crest of the Van Thorns. Uh, he doesn't have a holster for it, so he tucks it into the back of his pants. And he is just getting ready to come out and face whatever is coming his way. There's no bullets, but sometimes an empty revolver is a status symbol of itself and can be intimidating. You run to the room and grab the revolver and run back out to the doorway, the, the hallway that is where it enters the main apartment. Esper? The instant grabbing of the sword at her hip and yanking it out as they take a few steps back and leave the doorway. But they're still there. They're still listening to the steps. They're still trying to get as much information as they can even though there's clear confusion on her face but she's ready a black leather boot steps into the room and as you look from bottom to top of this figure it's not a tall man maybe by five black hair, a mask dangling by his hip that's clearly a water stalker mask or was at some point because he doesn't look like the type. 
leather straps around his body. He looks well protected. And Esper, you recognize the clothing. You saw him stick a knife into Ken's throat as he looks across the room and he sees Esper, Trevor, and Nihilus just behind Trevor bearing a kite shield. Well, there you are. I've been looking for you. You have? Well, one of you is missing. He looks directly at Dr. Glass. Trevor, who does not know where Dr. Glass is, is just seeing this person look somewhere in the room. Doesn't know what he's indicating. He just says, she's a... It was hell getting here, you know? Casualties are to be, uh, to be expected. Yeah. And, uh, she gives him a little wink. Because Shriver's not lying. (laughs) She is a casualty. Looking at this man, you're the only person who can sense this. It's as if you're standing on a shore, a beach line, and looking up at a wave a thousand feet high. His psychic energy is so strong, it's almost incomprehensibly so. It's as if this is the end. This wave crashes and it's all over. I'm only here for one of you. He looks first towards Trevor. Trevor, please roll a wisdom saving throw. I'm afraid we're a package deal. (laughs) It's a DC 26. I'm not going to make that. I'll just, I'll be right up front with you. Get a natural 20. (laughs) All right. Well, um, before I make a roll, just, just, uh, for, uh, context. Um, Trevor never saw the person who took him to the bunker, uh, but he heard him. Is the voice familiar? Identical. So, with that in mind, ends the brakes. It's a 19. The wind outside whips around the windows, seems to be picking up around him. You see torrents now flying around this building like a tornado, encapsulating it. As everybody sees Trevor immediately drop the gun and fall to the ground, unconscious. Uh, uh, Trevor, what did you do? He killed Ken. He killed Ken, and and he's here to take more of us. That's him. You're interested priest. I didn't expect to find a priest among the group, but I was surprised to see you in the bunker there. Do you have any final prayers you want to say to your god? I have my peace with my god. Do you with yours? Absolutely. Please roll a wisdom saving throw. (laughs) Will do. Now this is happening, by the way, in quick succession, just seconds apart. 
can we do anything? Like, can we take actions or... Would be irrelevant to enter initiative. Fair. That's what I figured. Mm -hmm. A six. Everybody sees as fire begins to gather at the bottom of Nihilus' cloak and it burns up in such a violent torrent that the walls, the ceiling turn black around him and a second later just ash falls to the ground. You're interested. Young lady. You feel empty to me. Not many people give me that sense. Does he step towards Esper? He'll take a step. I think instinctively Esper gets unless Esper fights it, gets telekinetically pulled five feet away from him. You feel that shove in the direction away as you stumble into your new footing. Now, now. I was saving you for last, but why don't you lower down your hackles and come stand here by me because we got a long walk ahead of us. He says to Dr. Glass. And she remains invisible, uh, but as quietly as possible goes and stands by him. Now you young lady, I'm surprised you didn't see this coming, but it was inevitable. Can I try to cut him off and stab him in the eye? Certainly. Please roll athletics. Okay. 16. And additionally, a wisdom saving throw. I got the natural 20 on the wisdom save. All right. Just as you're about to move, you feel your body begin to freeze up. Your knife being held in the air as all of your muscles flex and you fight it. And as if breaking ice off of a frozen machine, your arm juts forward and the dagger sticks directly into his right eye. That wasn't very kind of you. Fuck. He will gently put his hand over yours that's gripping the knife and step back to pull his head out. You see the hole in his head. Looks like it could, you know, for any normal person, you've, you've just inserted a knife through his brain. But he's not a normal person. I think that horrifies Esper into, like, that stunned silence. It's gonna go dark for you now. I just want you to know you should embrace the void, the abyss. It'll set you free. As he snaps his fingers and you feel you've just taken a step forward, but you're having this last bit of thought, this this whisper in the night. What's the first thing that comes to Esper's mind? Where are they? At first, it's black, dark. But then you feel a soft carpeted floor beneath your step and a light 
Though it's a black void, you feel a light shining towards your face. The wariness does not impede Esper to the point where she does not move toward it. You take a step towards the light. And first, it's just white. And then you see these wisps of granulated energies, this wind blowing in front of you. You start to see a glisten, a gleam. Something is between you and the light. You feel the carpeted step. And then you hear from your left ear the voice of Dr. Glass. Is everything all right? And Can you hear it's me? as if the universe is being reformed around you. You then see a wall, a window, and a shadow that disappears the moment you look at it. It was cast over the wall and window before you as you stepped forward to look outside. What's out there? She said to herself as Dr. Glass was explaining a storm on the horizon as you have unintentionally cast augury. And all of that didn't happen yet. But you feel as though you've just seen about 30 minutes of the future. And that glimpse into the future was like absolutely basically bonkers to Esper. Yes. You're standing in the room that you didn't sleep in as Dr. Glass tells you that she feels something on the horizon, a storm of some kind, a psychic energy. Her own ability to communicate is currently diminished as if the waters are being pulled out before a storm. And the next thing that happened was you went outside and checked on Nihilus and Trevor. You noticed that the man was in the kitchen when you went to check a gleam, a glint, and he was there waiting to harm you. And none of that has happened yet. Shit. I mean, Esper has to try and run away. And they, f- I think that they can catch on that they feel that they're not completely grounded. Dr. Glass, you notice as you had asked Esper if she could feel or feel anything or tell that something was wrong, but she silently walked towards that window and she almost looked gone for a moment before you notice her more alert, almost surprised for a moment, an expression on her face. And as I mentioned, this is part of why she went to Esper right away, as she knows Esper sees things. She clocks that Esper has had a reaction to something. Yes. What exactly? Just a sudden bout of silence, a few steps, and surprise on her face. What is it, Esper? He's in the kitchen. He's in the kitchen, and he's waiting. He's ready. We have to... We have to take them, and we have to go. 
He's... He's too strong. All right. All right. Let's go. Uh, I'll, I'll get my things. Tell the others. Get your things at once. And she, as she uh, looks for her shoes, she turns on the echo light just to see if she can hear anything particular. Please roll perception with advantage. Because the echo light, uh, a mechanical little sound amplifying device, assists in audible perception checks. That advantage was very helpful. So instead of an eight, that's a 23 perception. You tune in to the sound coming from this cheap little microphone speaker in the echo light. And at first you hear the wrapping of bandages from another room. You hear perhaps a candle being extinguished. In the kitchen area, as you turn your echo light in that direction to direct it, you hear a bated breath of somebody breathing shallow and gently so as to not make too much noise. And there is something that catches your echo light that you didn't notice at first. You hear a step or a, a beat of sorts, but when you turn it to the left and the right, nothing catches until you turn it downward. And down, somewhere in this building, there are footsteps. She's a... Esther, someone's downstairs. Someone's in the building. You're right, we need to go at once. Okay, can you have... Have the you and the others take care of the person in the kitchen? I'll be behind you as quickly as I can. Yes, yes. Esper's gonna not run, but walk quickly out the door. And just like before, they're not knocking before they reach into Trevor and Nihilus's room. And immediately, somebody is here. Oh. Two, two people are here. One is in the kitchen waiting for us. But the, the, the one downstairs, his... He's, he's worse. We have to go. We have to go. We have to run. Right, right. As he gets up out of bed, clutching this slowly amulet, as you see beads of sweat on him already. All right. He starts to don his armor and put stuff, get ready to leave. <laughs> uh, Trevor, light packer, immediately grabs his bag, grabs the revolver, tucks it in the back of his pants, um, immediately goes... Before I would have questioned you, but uh, I ain't doing that no more, so just tell me where to go. The, the beekeeper, he's in the kitchen, I think. I think he's scared. He's out? He's out. But I... The second person? I don't... Wait. He's coming from downstairs. He's coming from downstairs. I don't know if we can go out the front way. How high uh, off the ground are we? Like, what... What's our floor? This floor is about four stories in the air. So 
It would be about 50 to 60 feet of a drop. 50 to 60 feet of a drop. Okay, so that's... Even with my slow fall, that wouldn't be great. Um, Then you hear Dr. Glass clacking down the hallway and calling out, but not yelling out, Good morning, Dredgewell. We have good news. The governor is offering you a chance at a pardon as she goes towards the kitchen. Someone's coming up the stairs to kill us all. Do you know of a back way out of this building? Please roll persuasion. This is going to be a DC 14, and this is to convince him that, you know, there's something more important to do. Well, we do love bards and their expertise. That is a 20 persuasion. You hear his breath slow for a moment before he begins. You hear a metal object kind of quickly be clattered onto a counter and shoved away. I, 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 I just, I found my way out and I was fixing myself something to eat. We have to go. Go? I, okay. Back door, where? Uh, there's, uh, there's two stairwells. Uh, one to the left and one to the right. Um, though the one on the left is really damaged, it would be dangerous to go down. And I assume that's the one that I did not hear the footsteps on? You know the stairwell you walked up. Stone, solid, that's how you made it to this floor. You haven't seen this other stairwell. But you can presume that he's going to take the most straightforward way up. And that's if he's even coming this way at this moment. Using the echo light before it you know, starts to quiet down again, you can tell that his footsteps aren't direct. They're not with so much purpose. They almost seem meandering and investigative on that bottom floor. Nihilus, do you have any tr- tricks that would help us navigate difficult stairs? I don't... My uh, uh, spells are not reliable at the moment. What would you like me to do to pray for a waterfall? Um, I, I, I really don't know what you can do, Nihilus, so I don't know if that was a joke or not. That, that was a joke. That either way, we should make our way. That either way, we take the broken stairs. We'll be, if this, this man, how, how far away are they? Is a man coming to kill us? How do we know? Any questions? It's a combination of Esper and I being very clever and special indeed. And we'll explain later if we're not murdered. But he's on the bottom floor searching around. And by the way, Dredgewell, don't say you are fixing yourself something to eat and think that's going to comfort us. We know too much about you. While this is all happening, Trevor is starting to move the barricade uh, out of the way of the doorway because it seems like that's where we're going. Uh, and is actually going to step out um, and see if he can't get like a a whole check of this floor of the house, uh, the apartment building, and just see like get a vibe of the stairs that we came up, which is obviously the fine stairs, and see what we would have to do to get to uh, the other staircase. It's it's not hard to determine as you step out of this room, the only apartment in this building that's of any semblance of repair. The building is largely stone, almost like concrete, and as you look to the right, you see the stairwell you came up is serviceable. It has been. 
And all the way on the other end, you see a, a door that's open. And you see that that dripping, that old, black, moldy water that has, at this point, enraptured uh, all the other apartments, doors open or closed, are in terrible states of disrepair and, and rot and filth and rot and, you know, they're not in good shape. That stairwell, you can see rock crumbles. You can see compromised structure. It's evidently dangerous. Uh, looking through the rooms of the uh, of the apartment, are there any apartments in which the floors have rotted through? Please roll a perception check. That is a modified 20. Across the hall, as you shift your head around looking, you see in one of these light angles, you can tilt your head, some light shining up to the ceiling of that unit. And as you look down, you see where mold and moss has grown. There is a hole in the floor. All right, listen, we could take them stairs. It's going to be a risk. What I'm thinking is maybe we try and lure him up to the top floor. And then maybe we try and move around him. We, we try and, and, and cut him off, you know? We bring him up to the top floor. And we sneak down. One of them floors is rotted through. If we can hop two, we can go down a floor pretty easily. And from there, we're, we're home free as long as we start running. Right. Do I think I have even my cantrips right now, Wes? You feel a lightly at this moment, some returning as the proximity of this person gets closer. I think I could make a sound. I think I could still have... I'm a bit tired, but I think I could make a sound come from a little bit away. I could help with that. Uh, if I could do you one better as well, if... If, if I know what he's wearing, he or she or they or what, if, if the thing that is tracking us, if, if I know what they're wearing or what they have, I could track them live, even from distance. It could guide us towards perhaps a sneaky way away from them, guide around them if need be. But if there would, Dr. Glass, Esper, what do we know of this? Does Esper know how he looks? Certainly, you've seen him now twice. And you, and you know that he can kill us in a second. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he's he's got a water stalker mask. He's, he's dressed in a lot of black. He's, he's not terribly terribly tall. Um, uh, is his item, what is he wearing? Something distinguishable, yet easy for me to, to conjure up and imagine. How about the mask, right? Yeah. Yes. Continue to describe it to me as he holds out his uh, hand and he places his ho uh, holy amulet on it and his eyes start to glow a little bit and he starts to cast the, the spell awaiting with the proper instructions of the way how the item looks. And you know what, Nihilus? Just this once, I will let you do me one better and you have bardic inspiration. As uh, Nihilus will cast Locate Object. This half-face mask top visor torn off some old graffiti and markings on it from the last person who had it it comes to sight you can sense it in the stairwell heading up 
various flights of stairs right now. He's, he's coming up the stairs right now. I have to concentrate on this. It doesn't last that long, but I can pinpoint exactly where he is. We have to go this way. I can still make a sound in the in the opposite, in the wrong direction. Just 30 feet away, but it might help. Do it, yes. Great, great. All right, come on. Let's let's go now. And I do it. I do a sound of just a door opening and closing, like to draw him a little bit in the wrong direction. Okay. Trevor, taking the lead, you step out of the doorway into the hall and into the room across. The carpeting and floor is soggy and rotten. There are places where when you step, it bows in a bit, but it holds its structure and you make it to a hole in the floor. With advantage, as the door sound opens and closes on your level to misdirect him up while you go down. Uh, 18. Yeah. 18. I'm a little sluggish, I think. Six. <laughs> With advantage, a good old eight. <laughs> while there is some noise, the squishing sound of moss beneath your feet a splash of a puddle, a light patter, it's probably not enough to reach through a building of this scale. And you can still sense the object, that mask, now moving at a brisk pace up the stairs towards the top floor, while you're now on the third floor. What would you like to do? Getting the fuck out of here. That's what I'd like to do. Keep it quiet. I'm assuming we're making a break for it. Yeah. Going well. They're, they're on the top floor now. You head into the hallway and run as silently as you can to that stairwell, the safe one, I presume, and make your way down. And just at the bottom of the floor, Dredgewell puts his hand on Trevor's shoulder for a moment. Wait, I have supplies in the basement. We can survive out in the salt. Much easier if we can just take some of it. I don't know. I'm not going to roll in sight. I think with the experience that Trevor's had in that basement, you're going in that fucking basement. Do you hear me? And he kind of like grabs on to the front of his shirt. If you got to get something, you get it. I'm not going down there. Please roll intimidation. Uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a five. All right, I'll go. He doesn't look intimidated, but with purpose, he wants to survive and... The crates you were bringing up, they do have supplies. I'm just going to go grab enough for all of us to survive a few more days. And he runs down to the basement. As he runs down to the basement, his precious turned to everybody and go, let's just go. We found rations, right? You have 20 rations from when you searched his apartment. Esper knows that he knows the way, though, right? He also ran off with that crystal. He had never given it to you. He didn't even mention it to you in this timeline. Dr. Glass doesn't know any of that, but just in terms of the layout of the building, like, cause she, she thinks he's not going to screw them and she still has the echo light. So can we hide and wait a minute? Like she would have helped him if she had her powers and was better with stairs to speed things along. Uh, she doesn't think he's a danger. Mm-hmm. If you'd like, you can certainly try to hide. She ducks around the building, hides, and like has the echo light to listen for the steps. And 
Dredgewell. Is everybody else joining in this? Linus will accompany a Dredge um, down to the basement as he says, I've been there before. He could be right. It could be something. So I'll keep track. But my box press communicator, it hasn't had time or sun to be able to recharge. It's still empty. So if if I sense him coming down, I'll, I'll rush right back. And he joins. Quickly, just quickly. Trevor will uh, go with uh, Dr. Glass. Esper is going to stay at the top of the stairs to the basement. Mm-hmm. Inside the door a little bit. Okay. Nihilus. Dredgewell moves quickly. He's an old man. He's hunched over. He hobbles with purpose as he makes its way to the basement. And you see as he runs over to the crates, one of them already opened and exhausted from Trevor last time he was here. He says, help me with this. It's heavy. I need to move it off with the other one. He grabs onto one side. Nihilus starts to get ready to help, though he's concentrating, so he doesn't put a lot of effort into it with purpose, and he's trying to be a bit careful around him, so he's not moving at a quick pace. In that case, slowly and silently, he lowers it to the ground so it doesn't make any noise, and he gets to the other one. I need to open this. He reaches behind the crate, and he takes out a small, foot-long crowbar, and he sticks it in. He says... This one was different. The other ones are regular. This one has these red stripes on it. I've never opened one like this before. They usually have supplies, food. I think an old civilization or old people left them here. But it's going to make noise when I crack it open. What's in could be useful to us. Look, we can't make any noise. We're being silent as we, however we can. Not a note any other boxes that we can pick up from. I'll leave it if you want. I just think it increases our chance of survival. What increases our chance of survival truly here is by working together and staying quiet while whatever that thing is here and he tries to focus to still have a sense of if is that thing as far as he knows it still on the top floor? You... As you look up, you see the silhouette of this mask in approximately the place where the apartment is. And and while you're looking at it, while Dredgewell has the crowbar in his hand stuck into the lid of this nailed-down coffer, while Esper holds her breath at the top of the stairs, listening carefully for anybody, while Dr. Glass and Trevor are in an old rotten apartment just around the corner, keeping quiet and hiding, waiting. We'll go to the man in the room, who first steps under the bars of the broken door, Uh, Looks like somebody broke their way in here. Interesting. He steps under and walks over to the kitchen. Sugar, honey. Haven't seen honey in a while. Takes one of the jars and throws into a pouch. 
That's gonna be nice for later. And he opens up the oven. Somebody tried their hand at making bread. I wouldn't eat it. He turns to the table and sees Trevor's dried blood on the floor. He sees the rummaging of the apartment, the movement of furniture that had been previously propping the door, and he walks to the rooms. Slept in recently. And he opens up the first room. The bed's still warm. Back into the hallway, he opens the door to the B room, where he sees the dead cadaver, his chest excavated. I've seen that before. I'm gonna make an assumption here. Wherever they've gone, they can't be far. I think I should uh, pick up the pace. As he closes his eyes and looks towards the ceiling. And at this moment, Dr. Glass, you feel your powers start to resurge. You hear everybody's voices coming to top of mind, the surface level thoughts around you, as if the ocean has started pulling in again. As there is a mind scanning the area. And that's where we'll end today's session.